Hi, welcome to the City View Phoenix podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message. On the mountain, in the valley, in the crowded streets, or the empty desert, in our hope, and in our waiting, we are never alone. Well, it seems like just a few years ago when I was a boy waiting for Christmas to come, and of course when you're a kid, it can't come soon enough. When you get older, it comes all too often. There I was in the living room, sleeping in my sleeping bag, under the tree, the fireplace is going, it's fantastic, and what I've already done is what every kid does and should do before opening the presents or before Christmas Day is that you go and look. You go and look under the tree, and, 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 and you count how many gifts you have, right? And then you see which ones are yours, and you pick them up, and what do you do with them? What do you do with them? Some of you guys weren't a kid for a long time. You shake it. That's right. You shake it. And there's two kind of gifts. There's the kind of gifts that make noise. And there's the kind of gifts that are silent. Now, as as a kid, I had a theory, and it was pretty well tested, that the gifts that were silent were, were things I didn't really like, usually PJs, socks, and a book. Now, these were things I didn't really want, but, but eventually I saw that sometimes these were things that I needed. God has a gift for you. No matter where you're at with him, no matter how much you believe in, believe in him, don't believe in him, following him for years, not, not, not follow him at all, God has a gift for you. And, and it's one of these kind of silent gifts. One that you really don't want, but one that you really really need. Today we're going to unpack this gift. We're going to ask some questions about this gift. We've got a couple warnings about this, this, this gift. And then we're going to look at an example of what it looked like for one person here in the Bible to unpack and enjoy this gift that he didn't really want, but he so desperately needed. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for this place. Thank you for a, a chance that we have to gather. Thank you for the freedoms that we have to gather in this country in order to worship you, Lord. It's just an amazing privilege to be in your presence. You are such a good God. And, Lord, I know that you are moving and you are, you are doing amazing things in the lives of people in this room. God, you have, you have already done great things, and yet the best is still to come. Lord, I pray that you would move in miraculous and powerful ways here at City View. And I pray that you would do so all around the valley as other churches are, are, are meeting. God, I pray that you would move at CCV. I pray that you would move at the Refuge, at Catalyst, that you would move at Calvary PHX. God, there's so many churches, and we can't wait to see how you move in this valley this Christmas season. And, Lord, I, I pray that you would speak to us here at City View. In Jesus' name, we all said amen. Man, my, my name is Mark, and I got the privilege to be one of the associate pastors here at City View and, and to be able to speak with you guys today, giving our lead pastor, Jeremiah, a Sunday off. We are in the middle of a series entitled God With Us. As we approach Christmas Sunday, it, it just seems fitting that we unpack one of the greatest gifts, one of the, the greatest parts of this God story, if you will, because that's really all this Bible is, is God's story to us. One of the greatest stories of it is God is with us. 
You see, God, God, God is not a God that said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get really close to you. No, no. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be just around the corner or I'm almost going to be with you. I'm almost going to. No, God, God is not a God of almost. God is right here with us. That statement is true 10,000 years ago, 2,000 years ago, 20 minutes ago, and it's still true right now in the crazy year of 2020. I, I want you to know as, 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 we, as we approach the end of this year, with all the craziness, with all the difficulties, with all the hardships, no matter what you're feeling, maybe you've been feeling alone, maybe you've been feeling neglected, you've been feeling forgotten, you've felt the hardship, I want you to know that God is with you. That's what he wants you to know. That, that's, the, that's his gift to you for this Christmas. If you get nothing else from, from this month as, as, you, as you celebrate with your family and with your friends and the dust settles, and then the nighttime comes and 2021 comes with, with whatever 2021 brings. Know that God is with us. And I believe that that one truth, that one promise will bring you so much comfort. You know, see, last week we, we, we talked about God is with us in the valleys. And the big idea is that we, we enjoy God in the mountaintops, but we really get to know him intimately in the valleys. Today, we're talking about that God is with us in the wilderness. This idea that God is with us, I mean, it's introduced in, 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 all throughout Scripture, really. But in Matthew chapter 1, I want, I want you to see this verse that we have reoccurring each week of this series. It's Matthew 1.23. Matthew chapter 123, it's up on the screen. It says, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. Today, as we, as we unpack this, this idea of, of God with us in the wilderness, we're going to pick up from last week's story. If you weren't here last week, it's okay. I got three words for you to sum it up is David and Goliath. That's right, David and Goliath. Pastor Jeremiah talked to us about, about what it looked like who young David had the faith that King Saul didn't have. Young David had the faith that his big brothers didn't have. Young David had a, a faith and a dependence, that's a key word, remember that word, dependence on God that the army of Israel did not have that caused him to say, hey, I'll, I'll go beat that guy who's, who's mocking our God. I, I did it to the lion, I did it to the bear that came and attacked my, my, my flock as a shepherd, and I will do it to this guy who is mocking the armies of the living God. And so with that, David simply went into the valley and he defeated this giant, Goliath. As we pick up the story, just to give you a little bit more background on him in case you're unfamiliar, if, if, if King David had a baseball card, you could turn it over and tell you a little bit about him. It would tell you that he's the son of Jesse, he's the grandson of, of Boaz and Ruth. He lived a, a, about 1000 BC. He was a shepherd, he was a gifted um, and artistic musician, and, and, and he, he was anointed as king of Israel. That's right, he, at maybe 12, 13 years old, he was anointed as the future king of Israel. But this key word become, he hadn't become the king, even though he was called to be king. He hadn't become the king, and yet he was told that he was going to be someday. How many of you guys ever lived in kind of a someday, not yet season? Yeah. It's that, it's that well, I know it's coming, but it's not quite here yet. That's a, that's a great place to call a wilderness. 
to this wilderness kind of place that, that David ended up in. It's kind of strange because you would think, okay, well, he killed Goliath. His next step was the throne, right? No, he went right back to shepherding sheep. And then King Saul said, hey, I want you to come play music for me. And then I, I, want you to, I want you to serve in my army. And you, oh, well, he, he, he won great victories for King Saul. So the next up was the throne, right? God, God had already anointed him. He, he recognized him as the next king. That would be the next natural step. Well, I don't know what your life looks like, but sometimes the steps of our life aren't the next logical next step. They kind of go zigzag. It goes crazy. It doesn't quite make sense. God specializes in not making sense. David's next step wasn't the throne. The next step was the wilderness. You see, he spent seven years in the service of King Saul. Granted, remember, he was the anointed king. As he's playing music for the king, as he's serving the king, all the while in his mind and his heart, he knows, I'm the next king. What's going on? When do I get to sit on the throne? And then for a few years, he's running from King Saul. Why is he running from King Saul? Well, there's that little thing called jealousy. And King Saul saw that this, this boy was, was anointed, that God was with him, and he saw in his own life that God wasn't with him, and he was so jealous that it drove him mad, and he wanted to kill young David. And so for years, David ran for his life. The future king of Israel ran for his life. Why? Because he was in a, he was in a now but not yet season. He, he was in a not quite there. He, he, was, in, he was in the wilderness. What's, what's this place like, the wilderness? Well, it's kind of, it's uncultivated. It seems like it's uninhabited. It seems inhospitable. It, it's the kind of place that you go to maybe on your way home today because some of you guys live there in the wilderness, in the desert. Some of us hike there on the weekends or we take road trips. We, we know it. it. It's where we live in the Phoenix and the Valley. We see, we see barren wasteland. We, we see a place that, that, that seems like a crazy place to live, and yet here we are. The wilderness is also a season of our life sometimes, and thank God it's a season. It doesn't last forever, but it's a season of testing, a season of trials, a, a, a season of loneliness, of drought, spiritually speaking, maybe waiting, maybe nothing. Maybe it's a, spirit, uh, a season of just numbness, and, and you don't feel a certain thing. This is, this is what we mean when we talk about the wilderness. Maybe as, as we describe this wilderness, some, some moments or some times pop up in your life. Maybe right now you're feeling that. You're feeling the numbness. You're, you're feeling the loneliness. You're feeling the waiting. You're in the wilderness as we speak. Or, or maybe a wilderness is coming or you have a, a loved one that you, you, you think is in this place right now. I hope that today what we discuss, some warnings that we bring up, some questions that we have, some examples from King David, from God's word, will encourage you, will meet you where you're at, and give you some things for future wilderness experiences, give you some things to share with friends, and most importantly, draw you closer to God. Uh, it was a few years ago, 2017, I found myself in a, in a wilderness. It, it, the thing about a wilderness is it, it, it's, it can be subtle. It's kind of just this cloud that hangs over you, and you can't always define it. You can't always grab it, but you know when it's there. It was a season of my life where I was really feeling all these things. I was feeling numb. I was feeling kind of lonely. I was feeling unfulfilled. I was feeling without purpose. I, I was feeling like I needed something new. I was waiting for something. I didn't know what that something was, and so I was just kind of there. Sometimes we ask, you know, well, why? why? Why are we here? Why are we in the wilderness? 
It, it could be the consequences of sin, could be the consequences of life, could be a, a time of preparation that God has put us in there for a reason. But, but to, to keep us focused on the fact that God is with us in the wilderness, no, no, no matter why we're there, no matter what got us in the wilderness, I want us, I want us to know something extremely important, this, this first warning. Because the, the, the feelings of the wilderness are real. Maybe, maybe, you're, maybe you've just had a baby. Maybe you just graduated from school. Maybe you just got the big job you've been waiting for, and all of a sudden you feel like you're in this funk. You feel like you're in this wilderness. You feel like, well, now what? And there's just this odd time where you thought you would be elated. You thought this was it. You thought it was the finish line, and then you get to the other side, and something's just not right. Or, or maybe you, you've been praying for something for a long time and you've been waiting, you've been waiting, and you're wondering, God, are you hearing me? Come on. How long am I going to wait for this? You might be waiting for a relationship, waiting to graduate, waiting for retirement. And, and this, this flood of feelings comes with the waiting. This flood of feelings comes when you're in the wilderness. You're, you're trying to figure it out. And, 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 and I, want us to, I want us to beware of this. This is a, a wilderness warning. If, if you're a note taker, you can grab a mobile device. We're on the, 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 the uh, Bible app. You can follow us on the events there. Grab some paper. Grab one of those connect cards. And I'm hoping that the things that we share today will be useful for you right now for the next season or for someone that you know. Check this out. This wilderness warning. Don't let the feelings of the wilderness move you to believe lies. Don't let the feelings of the wilderness move you to believe lies. Like what lies? Well, here's what will happen. Your feelings, which are real, your feelings, which are, which are valid, your feelings, which you can share all you want with God. God is not intimidated. He's bigger than your feelings. And he doesn't mind hearing how you feel completely unfiltered and completely raw. But that aside, your feelings do not change the truth. No matter how you feel about the truth, the truth is still the truth. Amen? Maybe you guys don't feel a whole lot. No matter how you feel about the truth, the truth is still the truth. I mean, how many of you guys have ever felt like the truth wasn't right? It felt like the truth was just like all wrong. You felt like God had it, maybe had an off day. So check this out. You might feel lonely. That doesn't mean that God has left you. But it's easy for that feeling to lead you to that lie. Or, or, or perhaps the feeling of, you know, I, I feel unloved. That's a normal feeling. We've all been there, right? But don't let that feeling lead you to the lie that says God doesn't love me. But you see how Satan is going to work? He's going to grab your feeling, and he's going he's to swap out the truth for a lie, and he's going to lead you there on, a, on, a, on an eight-lane freeway that will get you to that lie really quick, and it will get you stuck, and you'll stay in that wilderness way longer than God had ever attended. Uh, I, feel like God isn't, I feel like God isn't listening to my prayers. I've said that before. I've felt that before. But that feeling does not mean that God does not listen. God has closed his ears. It doesn't mean that God has left me. Don't let the feelings of the wilderness move you to believe in lies. Because the truth is God is with you. God is with you even in the wilderness. God is with you even when you don't feel like it. God is with you even when you don't feel anything at all. Don't let your feelings about the truth change the truth. Let's go back to David. You know, for, for whatever reason, most likely preparation, David was in this, in this wilderness season. His next step wasn't the throne. It was indeed this wilderness. But, but, but this wilderness was one of those silent gifts. 
It's not something David really wanted, but it's something that David really needed because David was about to become king. David was about to become known as a man after God's own heart. David was about to pen half of the Psalms that have encouraged how many millions of people since he wrote them thousands of years ago. Can you imagine that what you write down could be an encouragement or a discouragement for countless people for generations to come because that's exactly what he did. Why? Well, it seems that he was able to see the gift in his wilderness. Here's what you need to know. Here's the big idea for the day. Jot this down. Your wilderness becomes a gift when it moves you to depend more on God. Your wilderness becomes a gift when it moves you to to depend more on God. You see, David was running for his life, waiting to be become king in this now but not yet season, running for years, waiting for years. When will it come? It will come with God's perfect timing. So what happened in David's wilderness? What did it look like? How did he react? We have so many examples of this. Let's look at one of them. It's in the book of Psalms, Psalm 63. Go ahead and open up, open up your Bibles to Psalm 63. What we're going to do is we're going we're gonna to walk through this. We're going to have a chance to look, to peer into uh, someone's heart through their journal, if you will, because that's really w- what, what so much of the Psalms is all about. And, and think about what, what would my journal look like if, if I wrote down my feelings during my wilderness season? Would it, would it encourage someone or would it discourage someone? Would it, would it guide them to God or would it guide them away from God? What, what, what did David's journal entry look like? Let's check it out right here. Psalm 63, it starts off with this intro, a psalm of David regarding a time when David was in the wilderness of Judah. Because the fact of the matter is, this is just one time, this is one snapshot of his life through the wilderness. We're going to read a couple verses, pause, talk about it, and then continue on. Let's, let's start with verse 1. Oh God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water. David is smack dab in the wilderness. We get it. We see it. We, we know those crazy tourists that come in from Europe or out of town. They try to cl- hike Camelback Mountain we know, with a, with a half a water bottle and flip-flops. And then they get airy-vacked you know, to one of the local hospitals by a, ho- by a helicopter. We, we see it every year. But this, this wilderness, it, 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 there's no water. It seems like this, it's so desolate. There's, there's absolutely nothing. And here in this wilderness, David has one thing. He has God, and that's it. And he sees that. You see, right away, he says, oh, God, you are my God. Not, not the thing that he's seeking. You got to be really careful with that. We're going to talk about that in a moment. But even in his need, even in the wilderness, even in the barren wasteland where there is nothing, he doesn't look around to what he doesn't have. David looks immediately to God who is still God no matter what's going on, no matter the season of life. Whether you're in the garden or whether you're in the wilderness, oh God, you are my God. You see, God isn't David's last resort. God is David's first choice. In this parched and weary land where there is no water. Sometimes we're in a wilderness and we're like, this is ridiculous. Like there's nothing for me here. There's no job. There's, there's no relationship. There's, there's, no, there's no end to school. There's no retirement in sight. There's, there's nothing for me here, God. You're in a wilderness. And we have this great example of David being able to point to God even in that 
difficult time. Let's look at verses 2 through 5. I have seen you in your sanctuary, gazed upon your power and glory. Your unfailing love is better than life itself. How I praise you. I will praise you as long as I live. Lifting up my hands to you in prayer, you satisfy me more than the richest feast. I will praise you with songs of joy. Let's look at this. You see, David in this moment, instead of following his feelings to be trapped in a pit of lies, he goes on a path of truth, knowing what he knows about God, what he has seen about God. But before you allow your imagination to get caught up in the lies, think about, okay, what, what have I seen God do? What have, I, what have I seen God do in my life? What have I seen God do in other people's lives? What, what do I know about God? And he goes straight to that. And he says, I have seen you in your sanctuary. I have gazed upon your power and your glory. And, and so this is, this is not David feeling. This is David knowing. We don't discount our feelings. But when our feelings are taken to us to a dark and depressed place, we say no. And we go to the truth. We go to what we know. We go to what God says this perfect word that never changes. He says, your, your unfailing love is better than life itself. When you feel stuck in the wilderness, go back to what you know about God. Go back to what you have seen about God. You see, God's love is clearly David's most treasured possession. Can we say that about ourselves? Can, can, we, can we say that that's what we're after, that that's what we're pursuing? Because that's hard in the wilderness. Because it seems like there's nothing. And so we're after the things that we want. We're after the things that we lack. We're after the things that we need. But God wants our attention. See, our wilderness becomes a gift when it moves us to become more dependent on him. But check, check this out. What, what is coming out of David's mouth? He says, I, I, I will praise you. I, and I will praise you. I will praise you. What's coming out of our mouths? So often when we're in the wilderness, sometimes it's just bleh, and it just comes out. It's negative, right? It's, it's bitter. It's anger. It, it's, it's frustration. I wonder, how, I wonder how many moments we lose, how many hours of our life we lose just spewing. What would it look like if instead of the negativity and the bitterness and the complaining, what would it look like if we, we did more raising our hands in prayer to God and praising him? Is that easy? No. It's a lot of times not even easy in the garden, but it, in the wilderness, it's hard. But our, our, our wilderness will never become that gift that we need until we realize how dependent we are on God, how good God is. And I love how in the wilderness, if you ever played the game, you're like, you know, if you, were, if you were stuck on a deserted island, what three things would you bring, right? Or if you were stuck on a deserted island, like what's the one food that y you would want every single day and you'd never get tired of it, right? Mine would be two bean burritos with no onions from Taco Bell. Yep, I'm that guy. You see, David, he didn't. He, did, he didn't say, you know, God, right now I could really use, you know, that, that, that chicken sandwich with extra pickles with cactus peat hot sauce and whole wheat bun. And 
large lemonade, low, no, low ice. No, he, he knew. He knew that he needed God more than anything. He knew, that he, he, knew, he knew that God was better than a feast. He knew that what God had to give him was better than what his hunger and his feelings wanted after. This is an amazing place that David was able to get to, to be dependent on God no matter what. Verses 6, 7, and 8. Let's check this out. I lie awake thinking of you, David saying, meditating on you through the night because you are my helper. I sing for joy in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your strong and right hand holds me securely. Have you guys ever had a long night? Anybody like camping? I think the longest nights are camping in a tent. I mean that kind of camping. Camping in a tent, it's like the longest night, and you're waiting, you're waiting for the sun to come out, you're waiting for that hope of the new dawn, it's just waiting and waiting, and it seems like forever. And it's in those moments, especially in the wilderness, that our feelings and our imagination can get the best of us. Because sometimes it, it, it's late at night, and, and you're thinking, and you're feeling, and you're in the wilderness, and so you're making the list of all the things that you, you are so, so okay with complaining about. You know, you're so vindicated. God will understand. I've got this list of annoyances and frustrations, and here's all the reasons why I hate 2020, and here's all the reasons why I should be upset, and, and you know what? I, I, God will understand. What does David say? I, lay, I lie awake thinking not of me, not of my hardships, not letting my feelings take me to places I don't need to go. I lie awake thinking of you, meditating on you through the night. This will completely change your long nights if you were able to say no to, to going down that road and say, yes, I'm going to think about God. I'm going to get out my Bible. I'm going I'm to journal about great things that God has done this year. I'm going I'm to think about what, what God has done in other people's lives. I'm going to think about what is true, not just think about where my feelings want me to go. What would, that, what would that do to our lives? What would that do to our mornings? What would that do to our relationships? What would it do to our whole countenance? We would become completely different people. We might become new creations that God wants us to be, that he has created us to be, that he has told us we already are as followers of Jesus. He says, I, I cling to you. Have you ever clung to something for dear life? Some of us in the, in the office during the week, um, as we were doing extremely holy pastoral work, we were watching a video about a guy that, uh, he, he went hang gliding. It's fun. Has anyone been hang gliding before? Okay, there you go. I see that hand. Brave soul. This guy, he goes hang gliding, so he, he's going with a partner, like the guy that drives the glider thing. And, and, and so they're, they're, they're doing this great lift off, and they're running, and they're running, and they lift off. And, and, and it's amazing. And, and I mean, once you lift off, there's no going back, right? It's, just, it's, a, it's, it's a long way down. And, and, and you're watching this video. It's like, this is great. And you're like, why does this video have so many views? Like, what's going on? And then all of a sudden, you see this guy on the left is not strapped in. He's not clipped in to the hang glider. He is literally hanging with his bare hands on the bar of the hang glider. And this becomes apparent really quick. And so the driver does everything he can in the next 120 seconds to land this hang glider so that his buddy, his, his partner, doesn't fall to his death. 
And so for the next 120 seconds, you see this guy hang on for dear life. His hand is, one hand slips off the, off the bar and your, and your heart falls to your toes. And he, he kind of grabs the backpack and the, and the shoulder of the guy. And he's just hanging like this. And 120 seconds is really long when you're hanging for dear life. This is what I picture David. He's, he, he's creating this picture. He's an amazing artist, a musician, a poet, and he's painting a picture for us to see. I cling to God for dear life because if I let go, I'm done. Have you ever had a moment where you clung to God so hard because you thought, if I let go to God right now, this is it. This guy, he, he hung on. So hard that, I mean, he had surgery upon surgery, recovery for months, ripped biceps and tore all sorts of things in his body. Why? Oh, it was worth it because it was so much better than falling to his death. Amen? What would it look like in our lives to cling to God because he's not just all that we have. He's the best that we have. This is what David is learning in his wilderness. You see how this wilderness is such a gift to David because it is prepping him. It is training him. It is sending his roots down deep, not into himself, not into his self-help library, not into his, 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 his willpower. It's digging down roots into his relationship with God that he's going to need to depend on for the rest of his life. 9, 10, 11, let's finish up here. But those plotting to destroy me will come to ruin. They will go down into the depths of the earth. They will die by the sword, become food for jackals. But the king will rejoice in God. All who swear to tell the truth will praise him while liars will be silenced. I love this realness. The real David comes out. David is indeed a human, not a robot. Here we see, okay, he, he, he wants some bad stuff to happen to the bad guys that are coming to do bad things to him. He's running for his life. He is human indeed. And out come these real human emotions. And I love that because so many of the Psalms you'll see David has that realness in the middle. It's like, God, I don't like this. God, I don't like them. You know what, I just assume they'd be dead. How about we work that out? You're God. You know, you like me more than them, right? You know, he's having this human conversation with God. Never think that you can't have a real conversation, unfiltered, raw conversation with your God. He loves it. He's okay with it. He's, he's big enough to handle it. But check this out. David, at the beginning, he will praise God. And at the end, he will praise God. In the middle, it gets messy. It can get raw. It can get ugly. But he always bookends with, God, you're God, not me. God, you're in control, not me. God, I, I praise you. I don't praise myself. And I think that's such an amazing lesson we can learn from someone like David. It can get raw and messy in the middle, but make sure your conversations with God tell God and yourself who's God. And who's not? David wrote several other songs. I want you to jot them down. We'll share them on social media too this week. I want to just give you five of them. Psalms that he wrote in the wilderness to continue to encourage you and give you perspective this week. I'm going to rattle them off real quick. Psalm 27. Psalm 31. Psalm 34. Psalm 59. And Psalm 121. Like I said, we'll, we'll share them. We'll get them to you. But I want to give you more scripture to continue to look at and, and, and really just unpack like we just did. Reading the Bible, you, you don't need a microphone or a stage or a degree or years of experience. You open it up. You say, God, can you speak to me? I, I, I want to listen. Open it up and read it and see what happens. I hope you'll do that this week. Psalm 27, 31, 34, 59, 
and 128. I'm sorry, 121. I mean, you can read 128. I'm sure it's a good one too, but 121, that's a good one. So, so David, David's this guy. He got it. He, he got the present. It's silent. He doesn't really want it, but he receives it. He opens it. He knows he needs it, and he allows, he allows this wilderness to be a gift to him because it, it, it moves him to a place of being more dependent on God. And you might think, well, that's real swell for David, a guy that lived thousands of years ago that was promised to be king, that was a shepherd and a musician, that killed a giant. I'm not a giant killer, shepherd, musician, grandson of Ruth and Boaz. You know, what, what does that have to do with me? And you know what? I'm not a dependent kind of person. I'm not, I'm not dependent on anything. I, I don't like to be dependent. Who does? I mean, that's almost like a, it's almost like a curse word in our, in our culture, in our society in the West. No, we love independence. From an early age, tie your shoe. You've got a 10-year-old that can't tie your shoe, and parents are like, what's wrong with your kid? They can't even tie his, They probably can't make peanut butter and jelly themselves either. They're going to start driving when they're 30. We look down on dependence, and we look up to independence. The problem is, is when we take our American values and we approach God with them, and we say, look, God, you've got a child that is so independent. Aren't you proud of me? Then God's like, stop. Stop bringing me your, your American independence and bring me some dependence so I can do something powerful in you and through you. When we're, when we're coming to God, it's like, look at me, I'm this finished package. God's like, are you kidding me? I'm still, I, I'm still waiting to get started on you. We learned last, last series that, that God is just getting started and he always completes what he starts. We have to come to God and be willing to say, I'm sorry, God, this is all you got to work with. And I am so dependent on you, but I can't wait to see what you do next. And God says, that's someone I can use. That's someone I can change the world with. That's somebody that I can gift a wilderness to, to prepare them to do great things, to reach this valley for Christ. So we leave our, we leave our independence at home because the truth is we are created as dependent beings. Have you ever seen a baby without someone taking care of them? It's just wrong. We are created to be independent beings. You guys know how long it takes for us to be able to walk and to be able to feed ourselves, to be able to talk, all of these things. The animals mock us in this area. Animals are so much faster at walking. They don't talk. But they're so much faster at feeding themselves. Why is that? It's almost like God's like, I'm going to make you guys really slow developmentally because I want you to know that you need someone. And I so desperately want to be that someone in their life. This is, this is how God approaches us because you are either going to be dependent on you, dependent on an idol, or dependent on God. If you're dependent on you, good luck. You've already tried it. You let yourself down. You, 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 you dug down as deep as you could go and, and you failed. And sometimes you try it again and you try it again. You read another book. You, you listen to a podcast. You're like, I'm going to make better resolutions for 2021 and goals and it's going to be great. And it just doesn't work. So then we sometimes move to being dependent on idols. But here's the second warning for the wilderness is don't let the needs of the wilderness draw you to idols. 
Don't let the needs of the wilderness draw you to idols. What's going to happen is you're, you're in this wilderness, and you are so needy. You're waiting for X, Y, or Z. Even when that X, Y, or Z is so legitimate, it's so good, even it's something that God has for you. But if something God has for you isn't not yet, don't try to shortcut God. Don't try to fast-forward God. See, the, the right thing at the wrong time, it's, it becomes the wrong thing so easily. But in the wilderness, there's not a whole lot. And then, man, it's so easy to want things, to need things, to focus on things. But don't let those things that you need become your idol. I know that's kind of a churchy word, not a word we toss around. Let's unpack that word just a moment because I want to make sure that we don't get trapped following something that will lead us to places we don't want to go. That we don't follow something that can never fulfill us. Was never able to and never meant to. Tim Keller in his book, Counterfeit God, says this. Something we cannot live without. He's defining an idol. It's anything more important to you than God. Anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God. Anything you seek to give you what only God can give. A counterfeit God is anything so central and essential to your life. Should you lose it, your life would be hardly worth living. Ooh. Anything come to mind? Could be an idol. You want to talk to God about it. You want, you, want to, you want to cut the cord. You don't want to be dependent on it. Even if it's something good, it doesn't mean you discard it from your life. It means you stop telling your spouse to be God in your life. It's, it means you stop telling your kids to give you what only God can give you in your life. It means you stop telling your career, your education, your finish line, your retirement to you, you stop telling it, only you can fulfill me. Because when you do that, you set yourself up for failure. You set yourself up for heartbreak. In fact, Tim Keller continues and he says, if we look to some created thing to give us the meaning and hope and happiness that only God himself can give, it will eventually fail to deliver and break our hearts. It's not fair to anyone around you to do that. Only God can be God. Only God can fulfill you. Only God can, can define you. And that's exactly what God wants to do. God is with us. God came to us to be that for us, to be our all in all, to fulfill us, to satisfy us. But oh, in the wilderness, it's so easy to look at what we don't have and say, if I just had that, if I just had that, if that would just come into my life, everything would be okay. No, it won't. Because the only thing that will make everything okay, the only thing that will fulfill is God. See, your wilderness becomes a gift only when it moves you to dependence on God. So we need to share five ways to get out of the wilderness quick, right? Or how about five ways to avoid the wilderness? No, I'm going to share five questions, five questions to help you answer and process this wilderness experience so that when you're in the wilderness, whether right now or next, whether you've got a friend or a family member in the wilderness, I hope these questions can help you get to the place where God wants you. Question number one, what am I pursuing and worshiping? What am I pursuing and worshiping? Is it, is it God or is it the thing I lack? Is it that thing I need? Stop worshiping what you need and make sure it's God and only God. What am I pursuing and worshiping? Number two, what is God teaching me? What is God teaching me? Ask God if you don't know. God, what are you teaching me? He'll let you know. 
He does that. He's faithful. He still speaks. What is God teaching me? Number three, how can I get to know God better? How can I get to know God better? It might be prayer. It might be reading the Bible. It might be coming to church more than once a month. It, it might be integrating your faith in your Monday through Saturday. It might be, and I'm telling you, God will let you know. Ask him, God, how can I get to know you better? What's my next step in my relationship with you? Number four, who am I surrounding myself with? Who am I surrounding myself with? And do I like how they're rubbing off on me? It could be really great if you're surrounding yourself with people who are maybe in the wilderness and they're becoming more dependent on God and they're growing. Are they perfect? No. But they're going in the right direction. Do you want to become more like them? Or are you surrounding yourself with people who are just bleh all the time, just spewing, just negative, and sending down roots of, of, of bitterness? Do you want to become more like that? Because you will. Who's rubbing off on you and do you like how you smell? That works. Number five, what's my next step of obedience? What's my next, not just what's my next step for me. No, what, what is your next step of obedience that God wants for you? Maybe it's, maybe it's reading the Bible. You're just like, man, I just haven't been doing it. Just do it. Just try it. Open it up. See what happens. Ask God. He'll, he'll, he'll speak. Maybe it's, maybe it's prayer. Maybe it's praying with your spouse. Maybe it's praying with your kids. You don't need all the right words. Just talk. God just wants to hear from you. He's not going to go, oh, that was a C plus prayer. God does not do that. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> maybe, it's, maybe it's taking a step of baptism. Oh, man, I've been needing to do this. Why haven't I? Stop. Stop the why. Just do it. Just take the step. What's my next step of obedience? You know, whether you're, whether you're there by sin, whether you're there by your own doing, whether you're there by life, whether you're there because God's preparing you, God is with you in the wilderness. Your singleness can be a gift to you if it moves you to become more dependent on God. You're, 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 you're waiting on the job. You're waiting for retirement. You're waiting for that diploma. can be a gift to you if and when it moves you closer to being more dependent on God. Worship team, you guys go ahead and come on up. Do you see it now? You might not want it, but you so desperately need it. You know, socks are so much better as you get older. Books are so amazing. Pajamas, I, I guess. But God knows what you need, right? And he wants to give it to you. He doesn't want to just give you something shiny and noisy. He, he knows you and he loves you. And, and he, knows, he knows exactly what you need when you need it. What a, what a good God that we have. So often we, we get in this wilderness and, and we're trying to figure it out. Well, why am I here? What did I do? And when's it going to be done? We're crunching the numbers. We're, 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 we're Googling the results. We got, a, we got a data dashboard of the wilderness of, 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 of what's going on and, and we're trying to figure it out because that's what we do. Because when we have it all figured out, everything's okay, right? Wrong. Figuring things out is so overrated. Having everything, everything in the palm of our hands and being able to like touch it and hold it is so overrated. God moves best when it doesn't make sense. God moves the best when it doesn't make sense. So don't be afraid of not making sense. Don't be afraid of not being able to figure it out. Ask Abraham, ask Jonah, ask, ask Noah how an ark to save the world when there's no rain, no flood. How does that make sense? Ask Daniel in the lion's den. Ask Esther in, in, who approached the king with, with, with all bravery and courage. Ask Jesus on the cross, how does this make sense? 
And Jesus will tell you, it's love. It's what you need. It's not a noisy gift, but man, it's the best thing for you. It doesn't make sense. It's not supposed to make sense. God's love doesn't make sense, but it doesn't mean that God's love for you is any less real. Stop trying to make sense of things and let God use you. I think when we stop trying to make sense of things, that's when God can really do something amazing. Imagine your wilderness. Maybe it's right now being a gift to you because it's moving you to become more dependent on him. Maybe today the gift that you're about to receive is, is simply God's love. And for the first time, you're going to feel freedom and hope and peace. That no idol, no shiny new car with a giant Christmas ribbon around it. Where do they get those big bows anyway? No, no, no perfect Christmas gift. No perfect Christmas moment. No, not even a COVID free world because 2019 wasn't that great none of that's going to get us what we need only God can let your wilderness draw you to him he's such a good giver of gifts he said nothing will separate you from my love Romans 8 38 39 no season no wilderness, no storm, no valley will ever separate you from the love of God. God is with us. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for being a God that is always on time, that's always loving, that always, that always gets us. We're not, we're not usually that lovable. And so we are just in awe of, of you and your patience with us. God, I pray that for the people here in this room that are in a wilderness, that they today have something from your word to encourage them, to give them hope, and to, to help them through questions to ask, to process, to become more dependent on you, God. I pray that for those people in this room that are ready to receive your salvation, your gift, your forgiveness, your freedom, that, that you would move in their hearts right now. And if that's you, just pray this prayer after me. God, I need you. God, I, I want you. God, I, I believe in you. That I believe that you can give me what no idol and, and myself can't ever give me, and that's freedom, that's forgiveness. And Lord, I want to receive that perfect gift from you today. God, thank you for this moment. And I pray that you would receive this praise, this worship, and you would draw us closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. For more information, check out our website at cityviewphx.com or download the CityView app on the App Store.